Good morning and welcome to Gateway. We're glad that you're all here with us this morning, especially if it is your first time. And if it's your first time, I want to have you or want to tell you that make sure you on your way out this morning to stop off at our starting point desk off to the left there. Uh, we have a gift waiting for you. We'd love to get to know a little bit more about you. Uh, we recently switched to water bottles and uh, no, you can't retroactively go back and get one uh, if you've been here for a while. Uh, but uh, we're glad that all of you are here with us this morning. Uh, you know, this week uh, we had a, a pretty uh, horrible tragedy happen in our nation uh, and lost a lot of young ones, unfortunately, and uh, teachers as well. And it was just a, a tough week. It's one of those things that, unfortunately, these uh, are happening with an increased regularity. And uh, it's hard any time, but it's hard to see us lose so many young lives uh, that really <laughs> never, uh, never stood a chance. And, you know, at Gateway, uh, we're really uh, supportive of our teachers and our communities, especially in our elementary schools. And so uh, it was just a hard week. And, and so, you know, this week, um, you know, as, as I was thinking about this, you know, I, I've heard a lot of people upset with this term, thoughts and prayers. There's been a lot of arguments over this. And I think part of the problem with with that whole phrase is, you know, Jesus said, I command you to love as others have, as I have loved you and let others know you by the way that you love one another. And I fear that sometimes that we're not known by what, by the way we love, but by what we stand for politically or by what we post on Facebook or by the way that we talk about these things. And so I would encourage us as Christians if we're going to be saying these, that our thoughts and prayers would go a lot, long, a lot farther if we were known by the way that we love. And so I just want to take some time to pray uh, for these families and to pray for these, this community uh, and just for us as a nation because it used to be, I think, that things like this would bring us together and yet immediately now it seems like it tears us apart as we as we don't take time to really process or have compassion, we just uh, immediately jump to what side of this am I going to be on? What side am I going to argue on? And I would hope as Christians that we wouldn't, straight, we wouldn't jump to our position, but we would jump to love. And so I want to pray. Uh, I just want to pray about this, and, and then we'll get into our message this morning. Father, uh, there are just some weeks, there are some days that are harder than others. And we are promised trouble in this world because there is hate and evil in every corner of this world. But Father, this week specifically, uh, we lost a lot of young lives with so much potential. And as we talk about, we've been talking about family all month, there are families that will never be the same. There are families that are broken now because of the act of evil of one person. Father, I just, I lift up all of those families. I can't imagine what it must be like. And I know there are a lot of us that have these fears as we send our kids to school that something like this might happen. And I just pray that you would be with us as families as we deal with this. And I pray that you be with the, the lives of the, te- the families of the teachers that lost their lives as well, that will never be the same. And, and for teachers here that have to deal with this fear every single day. Father, I just lift us up as, as, uh, as, a, as a nation 
that we would not use this as an argument point, that we would not use this to further our opinion or to gain any kind of leverage over somebody else, but that we would simply love and have compassion for those that have had to undergo this horrible tragedy. And so, Father, I just pray that this way wouldn't just be something we pray about today, that we would continue to pray about this and continue to pray for those around us, Because there are people that need to hear about Jesus all around us, whether it's people that are in a bad place and the evil is creeping in, or for people that are dealing with things in their own life that need love and support the way these families in Texas need love and support now. And so, Father, I just pray that as your father, as the followers of your son, Jesus, as people that love you, that we would love others the way that you love us, the way that Jesus has loved us. Because there are people that are dealing with things every single day, the people that need love. So, Father, I I lift up those families, I lift up that small community, and I lift up our country as a whole as we go forward. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it is Family Sunday, and I love uh, Family Sunday because we have the opportunity to have our students stay in with us and our elementary kids stay in with us for the whole service. And, you know, what better time to have a Family Sunday than at the end of our Family Life series? Uh, You know, we've been saying this whole time that the family is so important, so important. And we love having the opportunity to have families worship together and be in service together. You know, it's not just because they're cute. I love having the preschoolers come in and the smaller kids come in because it gives them the opportunity that they never really have, and that's to worship with all of us. We can worship together as a collective, as a family here at Gateway. And we don't have that opportunity most Sundays. And I know it can be a little more taxing on you as parents. You know, I have the easy job. I get to get to stand up here and preach while Ashley takes care of our kids. And you have to take care of your kids while I preach. And so uh, we're only going to go 50 minutes today. I'm just kidding. Uh, I know it's a little more taxing, but I know, I do think it's important uh, for our kids to join us in the main service from time to time. And we really do try here at Gateway. We really do believe and being a part of one family. We don't want to, to wall off our different ministries or wall off our next generation ministries so they feel just not a part of the church. We really do try to make this a one family kind of thing, not just different ministries that meet in a building on a Sunday. And so I love Family Sunday. You know, as you know, we've been talking about the family all month long, and we've established that the foundation of a healthy family is a traditional biblical marriage where the whole family is working together on one goal, and that's conforming to the image of Jesus. And when our marriages and our families rest on the solid foundation of God's word, then our house is built on the rock and can withstand the storms of this world. And those storms, they can come in the form of conflict, they can come in the form of tragedy, and while we certainly would hope that and wish that neither would ever come and visit our house, unfortunately it's inevitable. But when our house sits on the rock, you can't endure them, and our house will, be, will still be standing on the other side of the storm. Today we're going to be wrapping up our Family Life series by talking about the larger family that you and I are part of as believers in Jesus, and that is the family of God. And if you're a Christian, well, guess what? You're a part of this family. The day you were baptized was like an adoption hearing, and it was declared that you are now officially a part of God's family. 
In the New Testament, the family is referred to by several different names. The Apostle Paul describes it as the household of faith and the house of God. He also refers to the church as God's field and God's building. Peter refers to the church as a spiritual house and the flock of God. And finally, perhaps the most beautiful depiction of the church is found in the book of Revelation, where the church is referred to as the bride of Christ. And you might wonder, why are there so many different pictures of the family of God God found in the New Testament? And it's because it's such an incredible thing that one single picture simply cannot do it justice. The family of God is a large family, and we call it the capital C Church, and sometimes the Church Universal. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul refers to the church as the body of Christ, calling for unity amongst the believers under Jesus. He says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to be one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And then in chapter, later on in chapter 4, he says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You know, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but Paul seems to have an issue with run-on sentences, and that really makes it difficult sometimes to read it uh, without running out of breath. Uh, a bone to pick with him later when I get to heaven. Uh, we all are the body of Christ, tied together by his love, all part of the family of God because of Jesus. And so as we so often do on these Family Sundays, I have asked a couple of volunteers to come and help me out this morning. There used to be more of us, and now uh, we're dwindling down. But uh, I want to welcome Luke and Aubrey to the stage to help me demonstrate this idea of the family of God. Yeah. Let's clap. Not at all. All right. Well, as Brian said, today we're talking about the tie that binds and the family of God. And first service kind of looked at me weird, but I just think of those old songs, the family of God and blessed be the tie that binds. Anyone know those songs? Okay. That's a little bit better. (laughs) My mom was a choir director. So, you know, I knew all those old church songs, but the Bible actually has a lot to say about family from beginning to end. And we started our family life series off with talking about marriage. And that's where we see man was not meant to be alone. And so God made a helper for him. And so we see it in the earliest part. And as Brian said, even at the end, as the bride of Christ. And so in the Old Testament, we see we were not meant to be alone. And even in Ecclesiastes, it says that two are better than one or a three braided cord is stronger. And so we are meant to be together. We are meant to have helpers. We're meant to be with one another in relationship. And we also see that God makes a covenant with his people and we are bound to him. So let's move to the New Testament now, where we learn a lot about being together and being uh, this family and what it means to be a family, not just a a physical family, but uh, a family uh, in the sense of God's grand plan, right? The family of God. So Jesus enters the equation. He comes into the picture, right? 
And, uh, and now we find references that uh, we are the bride of Christ, as Brian mentioned, right? We're the bride of Christ, uh, that we are joint heirs with, with, uh, with him, that we are adopted or grafted into this family of God. And we read that uh, we, as the body of Christ, uh, we each, uh, as an individual member, we play uh, a specific part, but we all play uh, the, the same, we all serve the same purpose. Uh, and, you know, and that is to work together, to work together as, as a family. So once again, we find that we are, are not to be alone, uh, but bound together and now also bound uh, with, with God's Son, Jesus. So we are going to do a little illustration here this morning just to help us understand this a little bit better. So I need, uh, I need a family. Can I, can I, anybody, anybody want to volunteer? Okay, don't don't make me pick your Anthony family. Don't make don't, yeah, <laughs> you're looking down. I see it. Yeah, yep. come on. He did that thing in school <laughs> where he's like, if I don't look, get her water. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> come on up. Come on come up. On. It's all right. You it's got right. this. Let's hear it for the Anthony family. Just kind of spread out over there. All right. So as you can see here, Aubrey is trying to start a fire on the stage. She's got the wood gathered. No, I'm kidding. No. She's gathered up some sticks here, and you guys see we've got two, uh, you know, a couple couple smaller sticks. We'll give you that one right there. Go ahead and take it. You can take that one for me. Now, don't hit each other with it, okay? No Here's sword what, fighting. No sword fighting. No sword fighting. So here's what these branches represent. These individual branches represent an individual, one single person, okay? So you, Kennedy, and you, Isaiah, right? So those branches will, in, uh, will represent you guys. What I want you to try to do with everything in you, I want you to try to break those sticks in half. Let me see if you can do it. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. All right. That was, that was pretty easy. That was pretty easy. Like I said, those, those sticks represent one individual person uh, in, in the family of God. All right. And now we're going to look at this bundle. And let's see. I think, Mom, this will be for you, okay? So this is a, a bundle that would more represent a family. Maybe some of your family of God, some of your Christian family, or a family like you guys, a physical family. So we're going to ask you, Mom, if you could try to break that bundle. <laughs> <laughs> No. You, come on, like just break it. It's tough. Oh, don't hurt yourself. <laughs> okay, so you see it's bound together. It's a little bit harder to break. All right, so let's take this one. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Let's take this one step further here, Rudy. All right, and uh, this bundle of sticks represents the family of God. So, Rudy, give it your best shot, man. Let's see it. No way. Over your knee. <laughs> yeah, now break the sticks, not your not your leg, okay? <laughs> oh, okay, you got there one was there. A crack. That was a little crack. That happens All right. sometimes. <laughs> so, family of God right here, a whole lot stronger than an individual stick. We might need to talk about a gym membership or something with you, but, you know, <laughs> this is easy, right? No. Um, but the family of God, uh, we are, uh, you know, that, that large bundle, it represents us as the family of God. We are bound together through Jesus, and, and, and so uh, that, is, that is this illustration that, that Brian's going to be talking about today. So let's give it up for our volunteers. Thank you, guys. Thank you. <laughs> so as you can see as we went along, <clears throat> excuse me, um, God created us not to be alone, but to be part of a family. And again, 
whether that's a physical family or a spiritual family. But through Jesus, we are bound together, just like those um, bundles of sticks. We're bound together. And in this world, Jesus told us we will have troubles. We will have hard times. We will have times where we need each other. We need to depend on each other. And when you're on your own, you're like one of those individual sticks. It's so much easier to just break to snap, to give up, to give in, and just throw your hands up in the air and be done. But when you're part of the family of God and when you're in the body of Christ, we have each other. And we have one purpose we're working for and we have each other to lean on through those times. And that's through Jesus, the tie that binds. I was just finishing up my popcorn. Let's make, I mean, we should do this every week. I'll just watch a show during, instead of preaching, you know? You know, I always love these exercises because you're always waiting for somebody to do the thing that like messes up the whole illustration. And I was really waiting for Rudy just to go whack and be like, oh, now what are they going to do? Uh, also, I think in order to really show out the illustration in both services, uh, we chose uh, a mom with a dress on so she couldn't really have to go after the, uh, the family there. Oh, I appreciate Luke and Aubrey. They help, me so, they help me out so much behind the scenes that I like to be able to help, have them help me uh, in front of you all and see just how, uh, how talented they are and how much of a help they really are. You know, when Jesus said that he would build his church, an unshakable kingdom, he was talking about the capital C church, the church universal, this family of God. And the capital C church, it exists in thousands and thousands of smaller gatherings all across the world, which we would call the lowercase c church or the church local Often the Apostle Paul, he would begin his letters addressing these different churches uh, in, in a particular place like Galatia or Ephesus. And like those churches that he wrote to, Gateway Christian Church is a local church. And although the concept for, concept for the church universal came from the perfect mind of God and he provided a perfect Savior in Jesus Christ, the local church, well, it's not perfect because it's pe- made up of imperfect people like you. And I guess like me too. Like a building being built or a field being worked, the church is always a work in progress. It's a spiritual house being built by Jesus. Following the guidance and precedent of the New Testament, we meet together every week as a local church family. But there's something interesting going on with church attendance here in our country. See, according to a December 2021 Gallup poll, about 70% of Americans claim to be Christians, a number that's actually been decreasing, unfortunately, over the last few decades. Now, if we use 330 million as the number of our total population in the U.S., that means if there's 70%, that means there are 231 million people in America that would call themselves or who would claim to be a Christian. The thing is... Only about 50 million of Americans gather together for worship on any given Sunday in a local church. Do you see the problem? Where are the other 181 million people who claim to be Christian if they're not worshiping together in a local church? Why aren't they participating in the family life of a local church? Well, there are a lot of reasons why people don't partner with a local church. One reason is that while 231 million people might mark the box Christian, uh, they're not really walking the walk, and therefore they're not active in any way in a church. 
Other Christians may just have become lazy in their faith. Some Christians believe, I don't need to go to church in order to follow Jesus. I, I can read the Bible. I can, I can worship Jesus on my own. I don't need the church. Some people are let down by the church, by a sin or, or scandal, and so they leave. Some give up on church because they never really get connected or plugged in in any way, so they leave as well. And some have their faith shaken, or for some other reason, they simply drift back away into the world. In addition to all that, our culture has also lost its trust of and loyalty to anything that looks like an organized institution. And all of this adds up to make the work of the universal church and the local church that much more difficult, but also that much more important. And in case you haven't picked up on it yet, you are the church. We are all the church. And so it's not just me. I'm not just talking about me and the rest of the staff that have a, a lot of, of trouble and the, a lot of work ahead of us, because uh, this is your mess too. And, and so today we want to focus on this question, what are they missing? What are the people that are not involved in a local church missing out on? Did you know that research shows that people who regularly attend church report stronger social support and less depression? Not only that, but those who regularly attend church lead healthier and even longer lives. In a very real and physical way, church is good for your health. I think we should probably put that in the brochure, right? This is why you should come. It has all these health benefits. But it's not just that. There's so much more that people that aren't part of the church are missing. And so what else is it about this family of God that we enjoy so much that, that so many are missing out on? Well, for a biblical answer, we're going to be looking at the book of Acts chapter 2. And so if you have your Bible with you this morning, go ahead and turn to Acts 2 uh, as we prepare to read through it here in just a few moments. You know, in Acts 2, near the end, Peter, he's, he's just preached the first gospel message at the day of Pentecost, and well, the people, their response is they go, okay, well, what do we do with all this? What should we do, Peter? You tell me, you tell me all this, now what do we do next? Well, Peter responds by telling them to repent and, and to be baptized, and then we read in verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came over every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And from that section of scripture, we want to go back and use verse 42 to answer the question that I had just posed, what are people missing out on by missing out on partnering with the family of God through a local church? So I want to go back to verse 42, and we read, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now, I think it's important that we read the stuff that came after that, because we can see a very real community where people have each other's backs, and they love one another, and they're taking care of one another. They do all of these things together. They are a true community because they devoted themselves to these things. And so from Acts 
2.42, here are four things the early church devoted themselves that we, to that we still practice today, but we would miss out on in God's grand plan for the church if we weren't here. And the first is instructions to live by. Those first Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching because, well, that was the only way for them to learn back then. They, ha- they didn't have the Bible. There was no written word for them like we have. They didn't have it all together for them. And so followers of the way, they had to devote themselves to the teachings of the apostles. And really, well, who better to learn from than the guys that just spent three years with Jesus, hanging out with him and seeing all that he did, hearing his teachings, seeing his miracles, and how he loved people around him. Now, for us today, we're blessed enough to have the living, breathing Word of God. We're blessed enough to have the Bible. And when we have questions about how we should live or how we should love, we can devote ourselves to the teachings of Scripture. Paul said, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, for those of us who are of a certain age, you may have heard the Bible referred to as basic instructions before leaving earth, which is an acrostic for those who didn't catch it. And if you really grew up in a certain time, say uh, you were around in the late 90s listening to Christian radio, perhaps you've heard of the band Burlap to Cashmere, who did a song by the same, uh, by the same name and I didn't get much of a reaction first service. I don't know if you've heard of that. I get probably less reaction than when Aubrey asked about the songs that she was talking about. But it was there, I promise. I almost played it, but I thought that would take too long. For those of us in the church, we have these instructions on how to live and how to love that we can follow. Now, does the Bible give specific answers to every situation? Does every situation come up that comes up in my life, can I just flip to a specific verse about that? No, but a lot of times if we just pull back a little bit, we can see instructions that can apply to your situation, even if the Bible doesn't explicitly address it. And while I'm certainly not here to toot my own horn, I know for a fact that the Holy Spirit teaches through me each and every week. Which means that the family of God has the benefit of hearing the message that God has specifically for them every single week. If you're sitting here in the house of the Lord, if you're here as part of the family of God, God has a message uniquely for you if only you would soften your heart. And so all across our nation, all across the world, God is speaking through a teacher, through his word to you. And so if you're part of the family of God, he has a message he's waiting for you to hear a message that those that, might not, that aren't part of the family of God may never hear. The second thing you'll miss if you're not actively participating in the family of God is friendships that last. This is what we get when we have true fellowship in the church the way the, original, or the early church did. The original Greek word used here by Luke, it implies not just a casual experience, but a deep bond of brotherhood. The early church wasn't just interested in teaching about Jesus. They were also bent on building deep relationships. So when you actively participate in the family of God, you develop what is known as the tie that binds. And this is where we're able to practice what Jesus taught in John 13, 34, and 35 that we just read a little bit earlier, where Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love 
for one another. Friends, we need community. We need it. We were built for relationships. For all of our technology and social media platforms, we live in a really lonely time. We're so isolated from one another, especially over the last couple years. And our fast-paced culture and our busy schedule, they often leave us with little time to get to know anybody or to care about anybody else's issues, even the people that live just down the street. I think Satan, he has this way of convincing us that that's actually what we want. You know, we get so busy, we get so wrapped up in things, we think, if I could just have a moment to myself, if I could just have some time to myself to worry about only me, I don't have to appease anybody else, I don't have to answer to anybody else, I can do what I want to do all day. If I want to sit and watch TV all day, I don't have to answer to anybody. If I could just be with me and me alone. Our selfish nature that tells us that if people would just leave us alone, we could, all, we could do all the stuff that we want to do and not have to worry about others. But at some point, we're going to long to be with others. At some point, there's going to be too much TV that you watch. You actually can play too many video games. Or even if you were on a deserted island, which sometimes as a mom or dad, that's, you want to get away, right? That's, you wish that was where you could be on a deserted island with nobody else around, just peace and quiet. But I think eventually you would find out that you're going to need community, that you're at least going to need a volleyball named Wilson to keep you company on that island. We need community. And here's one thing that the family of God offers over other, any other type of community. There's no expiration date. There's no expiration date in the family of God. You know, I've been thinking a lot about community over the last couple of weeks and what that looks like, specifically with the family of God. And I have a lot of thoughts, but I've noticed that in our world, we have different types of communities that we can get involved in. You can build community with baseball parents or soccer parents, but eventually the season ends and you move on. You can build community with the PTA, but eventually your kid graduates. You can build community at work, but eventually somebody gets promoted or leaves the company altogether. But the family of God, we're here every week. There is no promotion or demotion. There's no, no graduation. We're here every week. You just have to come and start building community here. And what better thing to build community around than Jesus? And I'm not trying to put any of these other communities to shame or paint them in a bad light. Because what better way to reach others that don't know Jesus than to be in community with them? But what happens when you need encouragement? What happens when you need direction or discernment or support? You can't depend on those other communities to support you and to love you the way that the family of God can because we should be loving others the way that Jesus loved us. And those that are not part of the church, well, they have no idea what they're missing out on. They have no idea what the community of the family of God looks like because they're not here. It's up to us to invite them in. A third critical thing you'll miss if you're not actively participating in God's family is worship that matters. You know, worship is not just a church term. It's not just a God term. Worship means to give worth to something or someone. And the truth is that every human being will worship something or someone with their life. What the church offers, though, is an opportunity to come together with other believers as part of the family of God and worship together in a way that matters like no other kind of worship, like nothing else you could ever worship with your life. And corporate worship is a big deal in the Old Testament. With families and weekly gatherings, God's people came together early and often 
to worship him. Corporate worship is also a big deal in the New Testament. It was critical to their practice of their faith. They sang songs, they gave an offering of money, they heard a sermon, they sometimes had a fellowship meal beforehand. In the early church, at least in the city of Corinth, they might have even had somebody stand up and speak in an unknown language with someone to interpret God's word. Some even might have given a word of prophecy as part of the service. They shared their gifts and their talents. What God had gifted them with and blessed them with, they shared with one another. And they probably closed each service with the Lord's Supper. This is what the phrase breaking of bread refers to here. And guess what? Corporate worship isn't going away anytime soon. It's still going to be a a big deal in heaven when we get there. In Revelation chapters 4 and 5, this is what we see happening in the throne room of heaven. And, And don't miss the real subject of every biblical worship service. Listen to Revelation 5, 12. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. This is what the Lord's Supper does for us when we meet here together. It keeps Jesus, the slain but risen Lamb of God, as the main subject of every gathering. That's why we do it every week. And listen, if you're not thrilled about all the repetition that happens in modern worship music, well, I got bad news for you. It might be a problem because when we get to heaven, we're going to be singing over and over again, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The Bible says that song is going on day and night without ceasing. If you find yourself pursuing something in this world to fill the empty hole in your soul that should be the worship of God, you're always going to come up empty. But if you gather together each week or as often as you're able and and expend some energy devoting yourself to remembering the sacrifice that Jesus paid for you and you respond in true worship, well, that empty spot will be filled and overflowing. See, what's out there doesn't matter. The world ultimately doesn't matter. It's going to leave you unsatisfied. Eventually, it's going to go away. It'll fade away. It's temporary. What matters is what we're doing and here to lift up our risen Savior in worship. We gather to worship. Worship that matters. We scatter to serve and share the love of Christ. The last thing we see here in Acts 2.42 that those who aren't part of the church miss out on is the connection that works. The early Christians, they devoted themselves to the prayers, it says. Can we say the same about us? Can we say that we have devoted ourselves to prayer? I would surely hope that we would be able to, but sometimes I fear that we're not able to say that. You know, there's been a lot of talk about thoughts and prayers this week, including a tweet that I read that said, our country desperately needs to replace moments of silence with hours of prayer. And boy, is that the truth. Friends, I certainly hope that when we say that we are praying for heartbroken communities in Texas or leveled cities in Ukraine, or even just those here at church that tell us that they're not okay right now, I hope when we say that we're praying that we're actually praying and not just putting out a Christian platitude. Because we have a connection that works. We have a connection that works. The the apostles, they understood this. After the ascension of Jesus, when they didn't know quite what to do next, because, well, the guy that we followed around for three years, the Messiah, he just, he left. 
What do we do now? I don't know. Where do we turn? What, is, what does the future look like for us? Instead of panicking and scattering and, and not knowing what to do and giving up, they gathered together, and Luke tells us in Acts 1.14, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. They didn't panic. They devoted themselves to prayer. And so when we read the same thing about the early church, we know that they were just following the example of their leaders, and their leaders were following the example of Jesus, who had modeled it as an essential part of his life. And it should be an essential part in our lives as well. This connection isn't just about a connection with God, though, but also with one another. When we pray for one another, it creates a connection and a concern for our fellow believers. Being part of the family of God should mean that you have people praying for you, that you have people lifting you up, and whatever you might be going through, that people would be talking to God on your behalf. Something that you miss out on if you're not part of the family. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention our mission this year to pray for one. It was just a coincidence that Luke and Aubrey wore the same shirt as me today. Uh, They wore the same shirt as me, not the other way around, if anybody asks. But I, I feel like I would be missing out if I didn't mention this, this mission, that we would develop a connection and a concern for somebody outside of the church, somebody that doesn't know what the family of God is like, somebody that is trying to do this on their own without the love and the support of others, that we should be praying that they would come to know Jesus. And we do this because we have a connection that works. Acts 2.42 provides us with a picture of what the church should look like, what the family of God should look like. The question is, have you devoted yourself to that picture? Have you devoted yourself to the church, to the family of God? If so, you can attest to to the effects that it's had on your life. And if not, well, then I hope you'll see the value of devoting yourself to the family of God rather than the things of this world. And that you would give your life to the tie that binds us all together. Let's pray. Father God, we come this morning. And we've been talking about the family all month long. And I continue to lift up all of our families, all of our marriages to you. I ask for a blessing over our marriages, over our families as we try to navigate this world. And sometimes our our marriage, our family is on cloud nine and sometimes it's buried in the muck and the mire. And and so for those that are really going through it right now, I, I just lift them up to you. That whatever struggles they might be going through, that they would feel your presence in the midst of it. That they would increase their devotion to you to your word and to praying and to the church rather than look elsewhere to things that ultimately will let them down. Father, I pray that we would fight for our families, that we would fight for our marriages the way that you fight for us. So Father, I I, I lift up all of our individual families, but I lift up your family this morning. Father, we are so thankful 
that you have led us into your family. That through your son Jesus, rather than us perishing because of our sin, you sent him to die for each one of us so that our sin would be washed away. So that he would defeat death on the third day. And that he would be our risen savior, our living hope. And we could be adopted into your family. Because Father, without that hope, boy, this world would be really hard. And that makes me think of all the people out there that don't know your son, Jesus, that are trying to do this without that hope. And I cannot imagine going through all that this world throws at us, all the hate and the evil of this world if I didn't know that there was something more. And so, Father, I pray that we would have compassion for those that don't know Jesus, that aren't part of the family of God, that are trying to do this with, without that eternal hope, that are trying to do this on their own without support. And that as we leave here, that we would be inspired, that we would be motivated to reach them. Because, Father, they're just out there on their own and they don't even know what they're missing out on. So, Father, I pray that we would take seriously those that need to know Jesus, the lost souls that don't know him, families that are trying to do this without the family of God, and we would try to reach them because they need that hope and they need that help. And so, Father, I, I, I'm so thankful that we can be a part of this family. And I pray that we would devote ourselves to the family of God, that we would devote ourselves to your word, and to lifting everything up in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for your son, Jesus, for the love that he had for each one of us, that he would go to the cross knowing that it was the only way for our sins to be washed away. I thank you for that grace that comes from him. And I pray that we would live each day on mission for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've come this morning and you've never made the decision to be baptized, if you're not part of the family of God, I hope you hear these things. And maybe it's stuff you're hearing for the first time. You know, as humans, we have a way of messing things up. And there's been a lot of people that have worked in the church, a lot of people that are part of the family of God that have distracted from what Jesus is truly like, that have gotten it wrong and turned people away. And so maybe you've heard things about what the church is about. Maybe you've been in a church and been chased away. But this is what the family of God looks like. And I hope you hear that this morning. And if you're not part of it, boy, I hope that today would be the day that you would change that. That you might have walked in here dead in your sin, trying to do it on your own, but you'll walk out of here a new creation, washed clean of your sin because of Jesus. Part of the family of God. So I'll be right down front this morning if you have a decision to make to be baptized this morning. Maybe you just need prayer right now. You know, we have this connection that works. It's an amazing gift from God. And he invites us, the creator of the universe, the almighty, invites us into a personal relationship with him, asking us to lift up our cares, our anxieties, the things that we're going through right now. And so I'd love to pray with you this morning. If you have something going on in your life or the life of a loved one you just need help with right now, you just need somebody to pray with you, come alongside. So if you have a decision to make, 
or you just need prayer this morning, I'll be right down front. But I invite all of you to stand and sing our final song together.